We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And if you heard the end of uh, our last episode, you would know you know, my feelings on ranking stuff, especially in the NBA. However, we talked after the pod, and Mike made some good points. It chewed on it a little bit. And so for the first time in LFR pod history, which goes back almost seven years now. Can you guys believe that? Uh, we are going to do a rankings podcast. And Mike, you're going to be driving the car on this one, my man. So you got all the spreadsheets in front of you. You know, there's post-it notes yeah. all up everywhere behind you. No, not really. But set the stage for us, my man. Well, sort of. I mean, we've got, you know, a phone and an iPad. Oh, there and you go. We got three screens. <laughs> Multi-screen. Three screens <laughs> operating here. Yeah, just so, depending on, because on, I don't know exactly how much I'm going to get Pete to be able to rank things. I know that Darius will play along, even if he has to um, be Switzerland at times. I, rankings to me, it's just sort of like a, like if you go into the grocery store and there are five different peanut butters to choose from, you're not, you don't necessarily do a ranking uh, to yourself, but you really are when you're choosing mm-hmm. one. So we're always and constantly ranking things. You know, like when Darius first met his now wife, uh, there were probably a couple of other ladies. And guess oh. who ranked number one? She did. And here they are. Yes. 100%. She was number one for a long time, Mike. She was tears above. She won't listen to this. <laughs> She's in a tear. So, yeah, yeah, sometimes that's the <laughs> thing with the ordinal rankings. Sometimes it doesn't tell you the distance between one and two, right? That's right. There's like one, if you can see my hands here, it's like one and then, you know, GD no will doubt. probably clip this out now to like send this a screenshot of this. But but yes, yes. Okay, Lots of space so, between one and two. So I, the place I want to start, though, I want to go league wide for a second, just to, because the season's about to start. I just want to get a, kind of a rethinking of where are the Lakers relative to um, to expectation, to our expectation, to the rest of the Western Conference specifically. And then later in the show, we'll get back to kind of Austin and uh, placing him within the context of the league. And it's not necessarily about the numbers, Pete. And this is where I, I know you get a little you can get a little hung up like he's 53 and some other players 54. It's more just <laughs> how how do you how do you value the things that Austin does, you know, relative to a different mm-hmm. type of player? And is that player good enough to be a second 
um, star versus a third on a really good team. And, and those to me are, are worthy discussions relative to like, doesn't matter if the ranking goes down a couple of pegs or not. So um, I, I want to present to you the Western conference tiers that I have together here. And let's see if we can move a couple of teams up or down uh, based on, on our collective experience here of looking at things. So let's start at the top. I think most people are going to have nuggets one. Um, I want to get a clarifier first, though. Would you guys like to do it in terms of here's the team that we think is going to have the most regular season wins or here's the team that's just going to be the best, whether they finish first or second or third by the end of the year? Uh, do we factor playoffs into this? Well, that, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's like two different things. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's to me, this would be more of a where are you going to finish in get uh, approaching the playoffs? And then it's different. So from regular the season rankings. Best team uh, yeah, let's do some regular season yeah, because, rankings. Okay. And the, and the reason I'll stipulate this is because I think that like, I think the Phoenix is going to have more regular season wins than Denver. But right now I would pick Denver just based off of like a Jokic essentially and having the best player out of that group to win a, a tight, a tight series against them. Like right now, and we'll see who adds a couple of pieces, but that's usually what happens in the tiers uh, is that a team has an injury or an acquisition that totally changes things. And therefore, like, let's let's do it going into the season. Therefore, um, Suns, Nuggets, Lakers. I don't have another team in that group of three. What? Where would you rank those three, uh, Darius, in, in going into things? And is there another team that you would consider into that top tier? So I've been thinking a fair amount about, like, where the Warriors fit. The Warriors are the only other team. So here, actually... I'm going to answer a question with a question, and I want maybe Pete's opinion on this too, maybe even first, is we all know how hard it is to repeat as a champion, yet I feel like the champion almost always gets this automatic placement as like, you're the best team still. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's respect there, obviously, but I've heard a lot during this offseason. I'd listened to a lot of national pods and there's, I think, a lot of discussion around this idea that Denver's in a tier of their own. No one's as good as Denver. And that was proven in the playoffs last season. But Denver lost a couple of key players, right? They, By the time the playoffs came, they were playing seven guys and they lost two of those seven players in Bruce Brown and Jeff Green. Do you automatically place Denver like head and shoulders or even ahead above the rest of the class? Or do you pull them back down into and like, it's a free for all again, we're all starting from zero. I place them first, but not in a head and shoulders type of sense. And that's while also liking the guys that I think are gonna be replacing Bruce Brown and Jeff Green, especially in the regular season. There have been reasons for Jokic to fall off in terms of getting fatigued, Mike, and, you know, uh, for the last several years, and he seems somewhat impervious to it. So I'm in a, in a spot with Denver where I need to see them have that, you know, that you're struggling a little bit and not, you know, being able to put it together on a night to night basis that that happens. It's just part of the NBA. But they've got a lot of guys, Mike, that like KCP always goes hard. That's one of the things about him. And he plays 82 games almost every season. Right. And so I put them first. But I do think that Darius's point about the talent loss is I don't think that they're in an entirely separate tier. I also always give the defending champion um they have a more of a burden. It's harder to win the second time. And, and so that's part of why I wasn't particularly high on Golden State last year, right? And so uh, 
I'd go them one, Lakers two, and Suns three. As you know, I'm not quite as high on the Suns as, as you are, but that's where I go in, in terms of that ranking. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's, if you think about the conversation we had last year, we did the same thing, and Golden State was the champion. So we're like, all right, yeah, yeah, you have to give them the respect. They just showed us, but at the same time, are Steph and Draymond and Clay really going to be able to do this again? Yeah, so like we didn't think they were going to win the title, but we sort of gave them the grudging, the not grudging, but the respect of being in that spot. But I think at least a couple of us said Denver, I think, is the team that's going to have the most regular season wins, though. Uh, and so what does that mean? It ended up being a pretty big deal for Denver mm-hmm. um, in that they did. And then they got to kind of coast into the postseason while a lot of these other teams, Warriors included, who sort of limped their way through trying to get their vets through a full regular season. So Denver doesn't have to do that. They're still pretty young. I'm just betting a little bit on so regular season Jokic slight regression and and him playing at 85% instead of 100% mm-hmm. is a big deal. That's yep. 10 wins. You know, now I, he's absolutely going to ramp that back up in the postseason, which is when we can have that conversation, but we just we have no clue who's going to be available at that point. So I I think that context is proper. Um it's and we don't need, we've done the Phoenix conversation earlier this summer um but i did want to get kind of darius's thoughts on it uh, again because pete a little lower i'm a little higher i think they've got all the motivation i think they've got plenty of talent i think they've got booker and sort of prime of prime um beal is something to prove role players that can kind of fit in and a coach in frank vogel that is good with that kind of a roster i think um and we'll touch ayton in a couple of ways to uh, to motivate him so i do think that if, if i'm going regular season wins i do have phoenix one Interesting. I could see Phoenix winning a lot of regular season basketball games for sure. Mm-hmm. Their top end talent is really good. And I like some of their role players as well. And I think they did well, like on the minimums market. Where Aaron I Gordon, ten- Utah Watanabe, like a couple examples. Yeah. No, Get totally. Up. Yep. Yep. And the thing, and I think I might have mentioned this in a previous pod about the Suns. I worry about their playmaking and passing, particularly when many of their top players are sort of like isolation score. Like you can move guys even off of like, obviously KD and book are great in pick and roll actions, looking for their own own shot. And I know that they could average assists, right? I'm not necessarily talking about assists. I'm talking about like ball movement and passing and involvement. And I think in certain intangible areas, they're lacking. I think their talent can make up for that. And Pete, I don't want to go too long like on the Suns, but could they win 55 games? Like, I don't know. That number seems high, but they're Mm -hmm. so talented. I also think that they have injury risks that are tricky to navigate as well. And people talk about the Lakers and can this guy stay healthy? It's just like, well, can Kevin Durant stay healthy? Right. And and, and so there's there's stuff like that where it's like, okay, well, Bradley Beal has been in the league 10 years now and he hasn't always been the the healthiest player either. And there's just stuff there that I have questions for them, just like I do a lot of other teams at the top, which is interesting to have this many questions about teams that we think can win the championship. Yeah, a lot of parody. All right. So I, nonetheless, I think we're it sounds like we're pretty much in agreement, though, with with Suns, Nuggets, Lakers. We all have different orders, but that's those teams have the best chance of actually winning the West uh, based on what they have. Now, the group that I have right behind that is a little trickier, and this will be a continued pattern as we get to the third group, because there are teams that could absolutely go up and down into either one of these. But I'll just start here. So Warriors are in this group, uh, along with, to me, the Grizzlies and the Mavs. And 
I didn't like the Mavs last year at all. Uh, I, I have them at the bottom of this tier, though, because I, I just like their offseason enough. Um, Kyrie thing, not so much, but Grant Williams getting like a legit role playing big. I think that hurts Boston as well um, to make Pete and Darius happy. And it's just a like Luca to me coming in in shape off of Slovenia is still such a dynamic player that I'm giving them like that, you know, that tier at least ahead of a couple of teams that we'll get to next. Uh, Warriors Darius just talked about. The Grizzlies will be without Ja for a while. They brought Marcus Smart in. Uh, they, you know, JJJ did not have the best experience for Team USA in terms of the last couple of games, but still just young and hungry and talented. And uh, I, so I, I thought those were the three teams I would have directly behind. Um, is there a team that you guys have noticed that I've already left out of that group you would like to include? Or um, do you think that Grizz, Mavs, Warriors belong in a similar area? So, I think this is the chip on your shoulder group. This is one thing that stood out to me about this year is there are several teams that kind of tasted their own blood last year and their their season ended in a way that they really didn't like. That's actually, I think, a great advantage going into a season. It's one of the things that kept us alive last season, I thought, was the way that the 2022 season ended. Even starting 2-10, and 10, it's like, hell no, we're not going out like this, right? And I think that can fuel you to a certain level of focus. And all three of those teams fit that description, right? Golden State loses in the West for the first time in in the Kerr era. Uh, the we beat Memphis and kind of embarrassed them in, in in Game Six, and then Dallas doesn't even make the playoffs. I would throw the Pelicans into this group as well, and they also have a similar tasted their own blood, and they've got some talent. So much of it's about injuries, Mike. You know that you know how. Yeah. However, that works out. I think Derek Lively, who Dallas drafted, is going to be a significant figure there because one of the reasons their season went the way that it did is that you could just spam crap under the basket, and they just could not defend it at all. And so they were bizarre as a roster in a way that was kind of similar to the Laker team recently that was really bad where it was like if we just had a forward on the floor we would not be so so strange that you could just kind of spam BS and beat us and we'd actually be way better in a way that doesn't even match like how good that individual player is but just having that type Dallas, I think, is the same thing, but even to a greater extent where like they had nothing in in terms of interior defensive presence. Williams doesn't provide that in quite the same way, but I think Lively, you know, is is a really big time prospect for them that if he works out that he's really going to change the shape of that team. I'm interested to see how teams respond as well when like a bunch of stuff went wrong for them last mm-hmm. season and how does that actually impact our view of things like to me, the Warriors, for example, like it's sort of easy to forget that like Wiggins missed like half of yep. the season. Yep. Basically, like he didn't play at all for a month and a half or two months. So, in fact, I'm going to hold this thought. Let's go to break. And when I come back, let's hit the Warriors. And then I want to hit the Mavs as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide 
that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So the Warriors, not to the same extreme, but they just didn't have a ton go right for them. And it's like injury stuff. I expect them to be better this regular season. Like I expect them to be a better regular season team than they were last year by a fair amount. And if this is a regular season experiment, then like I just happen to think like, I don't know, man. I think Draymond's still an excellent defensive player. I think Wiggins is really good. Like, I think that the slotting of guys with probably getting Gary Payton back a little bit healthier and then, like, I still like Kaminga. Like, I just think there's going to be things there. I really like Looney. Like, I think that they're a good team. The Mavs are the Mavs are that team where they've got that generational player who can raise your floor to such a high level that it's almost like, oh my goodness, they can beat you on any given night just because this guy went for 40 and 15, right? Like he's just, Luca's just that good of a player. And, and so I'm, I'm wondering if I might like lift the Mavs a little bit more. Like I'm not sure what to make of Memphis at all. Mm-hmm. I like them. And I like their team and obviously, but Jaw's going to miss more than a quarter of the season. And when he does come back, he's going to have to acclimate to that group. Like I don't. And and Tyus Jones was out right too. And he was kind of the, he kept them real steady when Jaw was out Darius. And and so Marcus Smart comes in different kind of player. I just, I still like the overall energy there, like great home team young, but I I don't have them in the top, but yeah, I, I, I do like them enough to put them right there. Sure. Well, also, too, Pete, like um, Clark is a super important player to them. He's not going to be back. Mm -hmm. He ruptured his Achilles. Yeah. Like, so all of this, like, yes, they've got a they've got a good young team, athletic, like a bunch of bodies. I like I like a lot of their guys, but Jaws out for a quarter of the season. Yeah. Clark is one of their best six or seven players. They swapped out a steady guy for a more chaotic guy who has a higher defensive potential for sure. And is going to help in a lot of ways. But it's just like they're a different team. Like, I don't know what to make of them in terms of like, where's the stability within that group? No, that's I, I they're going to have to hold on for the first part of the year. That's going to be, you know, their depth is really going to shine through uh, if they're going to if they're going to hang in. Mike, I don't want to make your tier here uh massive as i already brought in the pelicans but the kings were the three seed last year like if we're talking regular season wins i feel like we gotta at least talk about them the clippers were in this same like there were a lot of teams between like 43 and 45 wins right i'll give you this in there both in this next group and i'll I'll give you sort of the explanation as to why only thing i wanted to add in the grizzlies front is they do get stephen adams back who missed of course the playoff series they xavier tillman i really like and then they have jjj like that's three good bigs you know, who can who can just hold things down inside and they've got enough young talent like I love mm-hmm. Desmond Bain. So I, I if they're if they're fully healthy, eventually Ja comes back. Like I still think that's a tough team to beat. 
Um, but I think that the chaotic nature is why I had them out of the first group, which they have been in the last couple of years. Like we forget where Memphis finished last year. They finished second. Uh, you know, so I just I, I'm giving them at least some respect. And this next group. So you mentioned some of the teams. You didn't mention the Thunder yet. Uh, so I've got the Thunder up near the top of this group. The Wolves, the Clippers, the Pelicans, the Kings. These to me are all teams mm. that have enough of sure. a flaw in one way or other um, that I deducted some points. And whereas like Golden State, I have real concerns about how just they're old. Uh, they're not as athletic like Chris Paul comes in. But we're giving them that kind of grudging respect yep. coming off a playoff loss. But I, I have them kind of at the bottom. The Mavericks, I think they have enough pieces in place where there isn't like a fatal flaw. Um, maybe that maybe that rim protection, if, if it's kind of too much to ask for Lively, is close to it. But this next group, there's just flaws in, in every specific uh, place. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll start with the Kings. I've said this many times. This is not going to surprise you two. Um, I thought that the reason they were the three seed last year is because, I'll repeat this, they were literally the healthiest team in like 20 years. They missed no games in the regular season. They get to a postseason and they're still healthy other than, you know, Sabonis mm-hmm. does have the hand thing. But and they they take Golden State to seven, but they lose nonetheless in round one and they have a fatal flaw. They cannot protect the rim at all. Um, they just can't do it. Sabonis can't do it. He can't do it in the way that Jokic does it, where he just kind of at least takes up a lot of space uh, and they have other guys around it. They don't really have the the um, the perimeter pressure type guards to be able to limit there since it's always um, Fox and Monk are getting a lot of the playing time. Yes, they can go to Davion Mitchell, but he hurts you in other ways. Uh, their wings are, you know, Harrison Barnes. We know what he does. I just I don't see how they get that much better. In fact, I think a regression is much more likely in just having one injury there. Plus a second year of Mike Brown and the way that he kind of preaches defense, um, I think can kind of get tiresome uh, to a degree when you have to do that every night. So I if there's a team that that I'm low on and will come back to bite me if they're actually good, it will be Sacramento uh, because I just don't buy it. And I, in fact, have them at the bottom of that tier. I think they could very easily miss the playoffs next year. Um, I, I like the Thunder more. I like the Wolves more. I like the Pelicans more. And then the Clippers are kind of a who knows, like is Kawhi playing to start the season coming off of the knee surgery? Uh, I, I just don't know. They lost a little bit of depth. So that's a lot there. Uh, pick and choose whatever you want. But I'd, I'd be happy for you to kind of both start with the Kings because clearly that's the one that I'm going to be much lower on than projection. Well, I think just in the context of regular season wins, I think that they have, you know, a lot of guys that are going to play a lot of games. They're going to play hard in those games for the your rightful criticism of Sabonis' rim protection and just kind of what he can't do in those high-level games. He plays really hard. He's one of the league leaders in double-doubles. Like, he's going to give you all-out effort on a night-to-night basis. And that, that to me, more than ever is what wins regular season games in the NBA in a league that the where the value – of a, you know what I mean? Like they're going to, Malik always goes hard. That was a trash season. And he's shown in that season, you know, like deer and deer and Fox just has a level of motor, uh, uh, Davion Mitchell, despite his flaws, you know, he's called off day, right? His, his, his uh, motor is kind of unquestionable. And I just think they have a lot of guys like that. I, that said, I agree with your point that they're due for a regression, a regression. And as we talk this out and, add more teams to this. Like, I don't think Minnesota, for example, D is that far off from a Golden State or a Memphis. And if they finished ahead of them in the standings, I would not be surprised one bit. And so it's going to be an exciting season in the West. And we haven't even gotten to the bottom teams that will absolutely be able to give you a loss on any given night. Darius, to just tee this up to you a little bit, I I looked at the odds and 
let's see, the Kings and the Wolves are tied for eighth. And and so that it's like it, it man, I, I feel like I'm really low on the Kings. And then I look down, it's like, oh, yeah, well, so is so is Vegas. Uh, so th- so they're expecting some regression, too. But what's your take on Kings? And feel free to mm-hmm. add any of those other teams. in, as Pete just mentioned, the Wolves. I like Pete's points about the Kings playing hard. I'll be interested. The Kings are like the Warriors. They run very similar offensive system to what Golden, Golden State does. I'll be interested to see how mm-hmm. opponents adjust to them. We know it's difficult to adjust to what the Warriors do because the level of shooting in Steph and Clay, the way that they can bend defenses, is a true unknown that you cannot scheme for. Like once you get out there on the court, the, like it's sort of like the way you scheme for Shaq. It's like, oh well, this stuff actually doesn't work. It doesn't matter where we are. It's just like this guy is beating us. I'll be interested to see how teams adjust in year two to what Sacramento was doing offensively mm-hmm. and whether or not that brings their ceiling down or if they prove to be that outlier team where on a night-to-night basis what they're doing is so different from other teams that they continue to outpace you and and just beat you by scoring a bunch. Um, one guy that didn't get brought up within Sacramento – in from from either view is Keegan Murray. He's like a young player that I really like. And when you talk about Mike taking minutes on the wing, I expect Murray to oh, yes. take a significant step mm-hmm. forward this season. He was already pretty good as a rookie, but he was good in the playoffs, like legitimately good, um, especially towards the end of that Warriors ser- series. And if he takes a leap within the context of of his game, he can bring them more perimeter balance in ways that I think um, can get them and keep them afloat in other ways. One of the things I was thinking about, and this applies to the Wolves, is Edwards is looking like one of those elite players, like a guy that on a night-to-night basis can get you a win. I am interested, Pete, in how that balances against like the still clunky fit of Gobert and Towns and how all of that comes together in a more natural way. Like To me, Minnesota... Um, could move up in this if they make a trade, for example. Um, And these are the sort of unknown things that it's just speculation, but like they're a team that wants to win. They have a young superstar and I'm interested to see if, if they come out in through 20 games, they are eight and 12. If that prompts a shift in what they want to do, for example. I think one of the things that's important for teams where their high-end talent doesn't have a natural fit is repetition, right? Like there are ways to make things work that aren't necessarily, you know, peanut butter and jelly from day one. Like when we traded for Powell, for example, and he just fit perfectly into the triangle offense. There are ways to kind of get reps and figure out how to make something, you know, fit a little bit better than it did. I'm not quite as high on Anthony Edwards as everyone else is. Um, I, I really like him, and I think that the he's a potential superstar. I would not characterize him as a superstar quite yet, um, but I do think that them getting reps together, uh, like they had different injuries at different times that prevented them from really iron, ironing out a lot of their, this is what we do in, with two bigs on the floor. That said, I think there's a decent chance that there's part of it that you can't scheme out of. You can't like figure out a, a way to get out of. And so that said, you know, their talent, they've got good talent. McDaniels, I really like him. Uh, 
they're going to win a lot of regular season games if they're healthy. Um, that said, Mike, at the beginning of this pod, we opened up, you know, saying, hey, we're going to rank stuff in ways that we've never, never done before. And we've totally yes, done true. these Western Conference previews before. So let's take a break and wrap up this discussion. And then let's get into uh, some of the other things you got. You know, I should have known that just having the three of us getting to talk about the whole Western Conference could go for a full hour without getting into other ranking things. Um, I, I So I will make a couple of very quick points to wrap this up. Uh, Anthony Edwards is a full year younger than Keegan Murray, um, which I just still think is interesting. Um, and, you know, they, but they are in the fatal flaw because of what Darius mentioned with the whole Gobert Towns thing, what's going to happen in the front court. Um, Pelicans, because of Zion, it, who knows? Trey Murphy is injured heading into the season. Uh, he's a really good player. And so that's that's a thing. And then the last year was just Rockets, Jazz, Spurs, Blazers. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on that. Uh, some some upside from the Rockets, certainly. And, you know, the Jazz could get better, but uh, we'll see what happens with Dame. But yeah, so those teams are down there. Now, where, where we wanted to get to, we got into this idea of rankings was I was watching the World Cup and just thinking, how many players has Austin Reeves just shot past? Not just in the postseason, but now with everybody watching Team USA. Um, and like where would Austin actually qualify as we look at these, some of these team USA teammates who are either the best or the second best player on their specific team. And I, I, so there are a couple of people that I know that went to Manila, um, and essentially a lot of people being like, I'd rather have Austin on my team than Jalen Brunson, uh, right. Which wouldn't have been a, uh, a talking point last year as Brunson was leading the Knicks to where he led them, even if it kind of stalled out uh, in the postseason mm-hmm. against the Cavs. And then there was a point of his game that stalled out in team USA and that didn't happen to Austin. So uh, before we get into like specific players uh, and, and I'll, I'll mention some, where do you think that Austin ranks like within that context of USA what is the ideal spot for him and, and how many teams do you think that he could actually be not the third best player as he is on the Lakers, but maybe even the second best player? Uh, and what does that say about him? It's interesting, Pete, because we were talking a little bit about this offline the other day. And sometimes the way that I look at rankings is exactly how Mike framed it is like, can you be the second or third best player on on a team? And if you can theoretically be a top three player on any team Mm -hmm. in the NBA, then you're likely a top 75-ish player in the league. And that means you're pretty damn good, right? If you're one of the 75 best players Mm -hmm. in the NBA, you're awesome at basketball. And going into last season, there's no way we would have talked about Austin Reeves that way. And coming out of the playoffs and the World Cup, it seems pretty obvious that that's where he is. One of the things I wanted to kick it to you about just within this conversation is ideal role and what the ask is for you, right? And so there are a bunch of guys who are quote unquote better than Austin Reeves, but part of that is because they're going to be asked to be the number one option on a team that will not be as good as the Lakers, right? And so, like, how do you balance that sort of thing in your mind when you're thinking about, like, how, Mm -hmm. like, this whole exercise? Yeah, that's that's funny. As I was uh, making peace with the idea of of doing rankings, this is 
one of the things that I, I settled on is I think there's a great conversation about what do you value? And I love the Brunson-Reeves comparison, for example, in, in that Brunson is responsible for running his team's offense and for being a primary shot creator. And I think that if that is Austin's role, I think he can do that and do it decently well. I don't think you're going, going to be a really good team if he's one of your top two guys doing that. But where I think he's elite and this puts him in, you know, probably the 50s or 60s overall, if you were ranking players in the NBA, is that he can play off of the ball and serve a very uh, – he can play off of the ball as a spot-up shooter and shoot 40% from three while making good swing passes and cuts and just – he's a, a great plus-minus guy, right, as a result of these types of things. And then you can also put him on the ball, mic and have him exploit situations in high-level basketball games. That's the thing. It's uh, I was cracking up at uh, you know how I feel about the ringer rankings, of which Austin is not in the top 100. Although you said that they have, they will be revising those, uh, is that he had this awesome you know playoff run for the Lakers. Afterward, they rank him after you know in in the 100s. But then once he has this FIBA run, people are like, oh, Austin Reeves is actually pretty good at basketball. And I think a big a big part of that is that ability to be a really high-end off-ball player that also has on-ball value. I'll set the ringer stuff aside. I think that that, yeah, that rankings, I would agree with you. It should have been higher when that, I think that was posted in June. My guess is that they'll do the re-ranks and it'll come up ahead of that. All he had to do to go higher on their list, Mike, was take a Lakers jersey. I'll let you have that that point to yourself. I'll let you have that point to yourself. The list that I was looking at was Ben Gallagher at the Washington Post, who's done this for years and I, I think does as good a job as anybody. Uh, and it's, but of course it's tough. It's like, and this is, these are the tough things and you don't have to, you guys don't have to specifically, um, if you don't want to select like Austin versus this guy, but I'm, there's the first like tier, right. Which goes like one through 40. And these are the obvious, like we don't have to talk about Giannis and Jokic and, uh, AD and LeBron and Embiid and Steph, right. And Tatum, uh, all these numbers, all these other guys, but there starts to get to a point where it's interesting and you just alluded to this, like, all right, if I want a guy to be the primary creator throughout the course of a season, Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving is a good example. If Kyrie is your starting point guard, um, there's a certain level that he's yeah. going to be able to raise your offense to. But he can't do some of the things that Austin can do in terms of like just staying like the role playing type uh, player type stuff, guys. And he also has some things that take away uh, from his presence, which which are sometimes off the court, but whatever it might be. So that's just an interesting name. Like, I think that Kyrie Irving is better at a lot of basketball things. But when you if you asked GMs around the league, like which one of these players would you rather have? And if you or if you had to like from a contractual standpoint that can enter into it, it's just it's just interesting. Yeah, um, that's that's a huge factor. So Kyrie. Yeah. So Kyrie's one name, but like I'll. In the reason I mentioned Golliver's thing, I'm going to give you guys about 15 names that last year were in the top 50 uh, of guys that I think will drop from where their place was last year based on how they played. And if there's a name that sticks out to you and you want to you want to give the context with Austin, um, please do. So here are the names. Rudy Gobert, Chris Paul, Fred Van Vliet, DeMontis Sabonis, who I, probably doesn't belong there. I just was, you know, annoyed with his playoff performance. And Pete made the point, regular season, I get it. He's productive. He rebounds. He's, he scores. He's good. Uh, DeJounte Murray, DeMar DeRozan, Kyrie, the aforementioned, Clay Thompson, Marcus Smart, Scotty Barnes, Jared Allen, DeAndre Ayton, CJ McCollum, Nikola Vucevic, Tyrese Maxey. So different, many different types of players there, but it doesn't seem weird I don't think to have Austin within that group of players and those players, again, were all 
considered top 50, um, I think, going into last season. There are some other guys that weren't that I think we'll bump in. I'll talk about those next. But where would you got what stands out to you, Darius, in that list? Where do you think Austin fits in? Uh, and why? Well, the distinction that, that I would make is players who are on the rise and players who are on the mm-hmm. fall within that group. And so like DeRozan was a name I highly respect. DeMar DeRozan, I think that he can be like an offensive fulcrum in a way that Austin Reeves probably would not be. Mm -hmm. And like, I'll get you 25 to 30 points on any given night, sometimes more, more than that on good efficiency. And I can do all, all of these things. I look at his teammate, Nikola Vucevic, who was also on, on that list. These are players who are aging out of where the and they can continue to hold on and be productive and I think DeRozan will continue to have very productive years probably for the next two two or three seasons but I don't put guys like that in the same class as like a Scotty Barnes for example who was also in that portion because Barnes had a quote-unquote disappointing sophomore season he did not build on his rookie of the year campaign but I expect Scotty Barnes to continue to get better and probably cement his status as in that range of being a top 50-ish player versus some of the older names. And so, Pete, how do you sort of gauge some of that? Because Mike said there's a bunch of different types of players within there and a bunch of different types of asks. And I look at Austin as an ascending player. Right. Mm -hmm. And a guy who is going to jump into that sort of range and say like I'm here to stay versus some of these other guys who are drifting out of that range and doing everything they can to hold on. I love this distinction because it gets to the very nature of like how you rank things and and just the like who is good and to what degree in that how much does resume factor into that, right? Like how much is what you have done evidence, right? Like Austin put something on his resume this past run, but he's those names that you mentioned, Mike, and people will still laugh at all, the comparison of Austin Reeves to a lot of those guys, right? But prior to this time a year ago, it would have been just unfathomable. You know what I mean? Well, that's why Team USA was important, though, because like Steve Kerr, who's not Austin Reeves' coach, is choosing to play him over um, several players, including at times Jalen Brunson, sure. um, sometimes Tyrese Halliburton, sometimes Brandon Ingram, right? Sometimes, and if you w- if Demar Derozan were on that team. I would have rather had Austin Reeves in those in the game, right? If uh, if Marcus Smart now he brings a certain amount defensively, but like yeah. I would rather, and that's the Scotty Barnes included. He's twenty two, but this is where like this is where the Austin conversation to me got interesting from a more national perspective, as opposed to just watching him do it in a playoff series right. against Denver. Now he's doing it better than guys that are that are were seen to be better than him. But how do you measure that past, present, future type of dynamic, Mike? Whereas like Scotty Barnes, for example, like that guy's. Good chance he's a monster down the down the line, right? And I think he gets a certain degree of benefit of the doubt that isn't as applicable to his current day. Then you've got a guy like Demar Derozan or some other guys on that list that have done right and that have made All Star games and have accomplished a lot. Yeah. For, so for this season, right? That's the thing for this season. Barnes is twenty two, right? Derozan into his thirties, but like I for this season, who's going to sort of be an overall more mm-hmm. positive player on the court? Um, I would take Austin over both of those guys. Now, long term, sure. Scotty Barnes, that's a different discussion. Um, again, he's 22. He's huge. Uh, he's like he can. Can he get a shot together? He's going to be in the like, can he ascend to a higher level? Yes, I would take Scotty in that case. But like for this season, I'd rather have Austin Reeves. It's interesting because a couple of other names that you mentioned were like Chris Paul and Rudy Gobert. 
Pete, when you talk about reputation and what you've done, yeah. that name recognition goes a long way in terms of how we think about players and how successful that they that that they will be. Gobert to me is a very interesting name because he he is known to be this walking defense unto himself, right? And and he's a guy who can elevate your defense in the same way that Mike was just talking about. Potentially Kyrie Irving could elevate your offense. And I'm even thinking of a guy like CJ McCollum. And so Pete, I'm not asking you, would you rather have Austin Reeves or CJ McCollum? But these are both sort of um, mm-hmm. guards who have both on ball and off ball ability, right? They're both guards who um, will at times compete defensively. I think Austin competes harder on that end of the floor. I think he has a bit more size, but he does not have as much pedigree and individual shot creation necessarily as CJ. His bag does not seem as big. There are also things defensively that he does legitimately well. It's not everything. He can't switch on to bigger guys and he can get isolated by a faster guy. But if he needs to chase, chase a shooter, he's very good at that. If he needs to operate in pick and roll type of play. He's very good at that. And so I like, I'd, I'd take Austin over McCollum. Uh, and I would totally understand if somebody had, had the other, you know, oh, yeah. the other opinion, but like, he's, he's very good. I, we got to wrap it up here. Let's continue these, uh, sort of conversations, uh, as, as we go along, but we're at the, at the 40 mark. So, uh, everybody have a nice weekend. We will be back on Monday, but until then you've been listening to the Laker film room podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's Let's the move. Go. Two, Let's go. one, miss it! Unbelievable. It's over. And shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.